Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Heather Kelly, founder and CEO of Heather's Choice. Alaska born and raised, top level collegiate rower, big game hunter, river guide, and athletic nutrition coach, Heather built her company to provide healthy food to fuel our adventures. So we discuss what's new with Heather's Choice, why nutrition is important to hunters, bad fats versus good fats, intermittent fasting, handling stress, and much more. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out 
our three bedroom, one and a half bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message, an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, coming to you on Tuesday, this one comes from Isaac Patrie out of Maine. Isaac wrote, he actually wrote in more than, than I'm going to read off here, uh, but it had multiple stories. So I, I kind of combined it together and gave a, uh, a synopsis of one of the stories. But thank you for sharing, Isaac. This is a, is a great story. And for anybody uh, after lis- listening to this, wants to go check out the photos, head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram and East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook, and you can check out the photos of Isaac's buck from 2019. So. Isaac wrote, thank you for what you're doing to help the hunting community. Here are my mountain buck stories. I went on a three-year run of killing northern Maine giants. 2018, 197.5 pound 10 point with massive brows. 2019 was a 206 pound 11 point shot on the last day of rifle. And 2020 was a 252 pound 8 point, the seventh biggest buck in Maine that year. So I started my main big buck experience in 2012 when I was 15. I shot my first main buck, which happened to be 198 pounds giant mainframe eight point. I was hooked. I started filming and then killed my second buck a few years later in 2015 after not seeing a single buck for three years. In 2019, I hunted a brand new spot. It was a grueling year, especially the last week. We always sit dark to dark. And during that last week, it was below zero many days. Finally, at noon on the last day, I slammed a giant buck, really cool rack, and my first one over 200 pounds. It's incredible I get to film these amazing animals in a state like Maine. Those who hunt areas like this understand the grind. Going three years in a row, successfully self-filming on this quality of bucks, it'll be hard to replicate. Yeah, Isaac, I give you credit for the self-filming portion of that too. On top of you know killing those great bucks, it's... Uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. So thanks for sharing. Anybody else has a, a mountain buck success story they want to send in, send it to bowatistmeetswesthunt.com or just head over to eastmeetswesthunt.com and fill in the contact us form on the website. I will I will note to everyone, if it takes me a little bit longer to get back to emails coming up here, it's about to get uh, a pretty busy time. I'll be heading on vacation uh, this week. Uh, so I'll be gone for about a week and won't have access to, to, um, a cell phone service or internet there. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but I don't believe that I will. And then I get back for like five days and I leave for Montana and, uh, planning on staying up to 21 days there. So I, I will be releasing podcasts the whole time I'm gone. I'm preparing those now, getting them built up and ready to go. But uh, there might be a little bit of a lapse in communication for that that time period there. So just wanted to, to give everyone a heads up. If I don't respond right away, I will get to it. It's just going to, might take me a little bit. So I appreciate the, the understanding there. Uh, 
other than that, I uh, just wanted to mention there's an Instagram reel that's going to be going through making my favorite uh, meal for Heather's Choice. So Heather filmed the whole entire process of making the smoked sockeye salmon chowder, and I'm editing it together and putting together a little video showing it. It's pretty cool. So if you are interested in Heather's Choice products after listening to this, uh, just head over to heatherchoice.com. And if you use the code East Meets West, you'll get free shipping and all your meals. And coming from Alaska, that'll save you quite a bit of ching. So check that out. Uh, in other news, uh, East Meets West Adventure Nalgene bottles are back in stock. And I do have a new color available. So I have the original Woodsman, which is like a brown color. And then also a orange color that it's come out with, a little bit brighter you're like me and lose your water bottle sometimes when you set it down this will help out with that but uh those are up on the website go check them out plenty of new stuff coming soon on the uh, the apparel side including the deer camp collection so just waiting to get the hats done there and uh we'll be ready to go but anyways thank you guys so much for for listening and supporting the podcast here it just could, continues to grow and I, I really do appreciate that if you would and haven't already please go leave a, a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast share it with your friends i i greatly appreciate it all right we will talk to you next week all right we're live heather kelly welcome <laughs> back to the podcast it's it's been two years i can't believe it yeah, it it freaks me out every time Facebook pops up with memories and it's like six years ago you were doing this. And I'm like, oh God, it's been six years. Like, where does the time go? <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's funny. I mean, you've you've been on the, the show, I don't know, probably three or four times now. And uh but I was just I was blown away when I saw it, it was two years ago since the last time we did it because I felt like it was just uh really not that long ago, but yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Was it two years ago then that you paid us a visit on your way back from your caribou hunt? It was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that, isn't Uh, that nuts? That is nuts. It's so crazy. Yeah. That would have been August of 2020, uh, when we were coming back and, and we stopped at you guys' house and, and since you had moved and I hadn't been, you know, up to Alaska to, to see you guys, except when you were living, you know, out out of town a little bit and then you you moved in town closer to closer to work and everything there for for heather's choice and and uh yeah i can't believe that's been two years ago already yeah so nuts are you're coming back though soon right relatively soon next year next year i have uh, a sick of blacktail hunt booked i don't know if i've even talked about that on the podcast but yeah i booked a a kodiak island uh blacktail hunt so going to do the the unguided like vessel type trip so that we'll be staying on a boat and then going, you know, dropping us off for the day and then picking us up at night and being able to do some fishing and be able to eat on the boat and do all that kind of fun stuff. So I'm really excited about it. And, uh, yeah, it's another, another way to get me back to Alaska. Yeah. I freaking dig it. And with any luck, hopefully Brad will get his boat up and running again. And that will be like, our weekend agenda because i think out in prince william sound pretty much all is i'm sure there's a season for it but each resident can get five sick of blacktail per person per season isn't that ridiculous <laughs> oh my gosh that's crazy those deer yeah, populations so get, must be good yeah we could go get i mean they're almost impossible to find on the islands out there, but you can get five sick of blacktail. I think you can get five black pears in a general season. 
And then obviously all of the halibut, rockfish, salmon, shrimp that you can possibly eat. So yeah, mission get Brad's boat running is high on our priority list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, c- I could imagine. I, I remember I remember when I was out there for the Heather's Choice Retreat, which was in 2018. So that was four years ago when uh, when I was there for that. But that that you were talking about black bear seasons basically like all year in yeah. Alaska. It's pretty dang close. I feel like anytime I print off my general season tickets, it's like, June to June. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yep, we're obviously living in, you know, just the most magical place on earth. And we're super fortunate to have so many freaking opportunities. It's just, I had somebody the other day giving me a hard time. They're like, why, why have you not gone on a sheep hunt yet? You were born and raised in Alaska. Like, what are you even doing with your life? And I was like, well, I also have to work. (laughs) My busiest time of year is August and September. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're trying to make the meals so the rest of us can go out and hunt, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I get to take like January and February off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's normally, is that when you normally do your, like when you did like your Grand Canyon rafting trip and stuff, is that normally like in the middle winter there when it's nice down South? Yeah, totally. We just have to plan something to just get out of Alaska in those winter months. I think that this year, fingers crossed, I really think come December 15th, you know, everybody's kind of done their online shopping. They're sort of sliding into Christmas. And then for a lot of businesses, things just shut down until that first week of January, right? Like it's all just quiet. So if I have my my ideal schedule come mid-December to the first week of January, I'd like to be on a beach somewhere or in the desert or just somewhere warm, soaking up the sun like a freaking lizard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, with it being just about dark all the time during the winter in Alaska, like that's got to be, you have to be very strong-minded, I feel like, to get through (laughs) an entire winter in Alaska. Yeah, we're definitely getting to the point of like, okay, we will be successful business owners when we can like, leave for the winter (laughs) business can operate we will just be gone because yeah the winters are definitely freaking hard it gets to be 20 below where we are in anchorage and there were a lot of mornings this winter that i would get in my car at 5 30 and be like it's 14 below and it's just a sheet of ice as far as you can see and i was like what am i doing this is just dumb Yeah. And then, and then the summertime, it's the opposite where you're like, this is great. It's, you know, it's nice out all the time or not all the time, but sunlight and just, you know, ample amount of sunlight and being able to have that and, and trying to find people to work during that time of year is a, is a oh difficult feat, I remember. <laughs> it's so freaking challenging. Our staff went from We had like a really solid team of 12. We shrunk to seven in a matter of two weeks because everybody's like, oh, I'm taking the summer off. And I'm like, oh, you are. (laughs) Do you realize that summer is our busiest time of year? So we had a few people that left for their summer jobs, like fly fish guiding or just taking the summer off to go play. And now we're, we've slingshotted in a matter of two weeks back up to 15 people in the kitchen. And it is mind blowing for me. I walked in last Thursday and there was 15 people in the break room. And I was like, oh God, 
what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> there are so many people here. <laughs> yeah, that that is that's crazy. I'm glad you're able to to find people again to be able to work. Which I know there's the challenging the challenging aspect of now having to train those people, and especially when you have you know new people coming in. I I remember that from from my last job when we'd hire people, and it was just a constant like you know you had to spend you think when you hire people that it's like okay that takes x amount of time off my plate you know just for talking sakes but in reality it's like oh i have to train these people and get them up to speed and and hope they stick around long enough so they can train somebody else when <laughs> it's a process I know, it's so freaking nutty but i'm yeah we're freaking grateful to have people that are actually we're starting to see people move from out of state to alaska and taking jobs at heather's choice because i think that there are folks who have always wanted to move to Alaska and that's always been kind of like a bucket list thing or a dream for them to come up here. And we're starting to see that we're getting some imports, which is really fun and exciting. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. Do you find that the imports, do they tend to stay? Like once they move there, do they stay or do they come in and be like, Oh, this isn't what I thought. Or what, what have you seen from that? I'm always interested because it's so different. It is so different. I believe that the people that I'm thinking of that it's kind of polarizing. Either you come up here for a year and you're like, oh, oh, God, like winter can't do it. And then poof, people are gone. Or you come up here and you just fall in love with it and it becomes just kind of a new reality. And yes, the winters are long, but if you ski like then you've got world class skiing out your back door uh, if you like cross country skiing, that can keep you busy. If you get a fat bike, you can ride bikes all winter. So it just takes a little bit more effort to stay active all year round. But man, I just feel like I've said this for years, but I definitely think that Alaska is going to become a more and more desirable place for people to live and work in years to come because we do still have so much opportunity to get outdoors and it's not overpopulated and it's not impossible to live here from a cost of living perspective. And I just feel like there's a lot that we have that, again, we trade it for having 24 hours daylight in the summer and then no daylight in the winter time. But overall, I just think that Alaska is going to become again, more of a desirable place to live in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, I know like it's funny, my, my grandfather lived up in Alaska for a little while. I don't know if I ever told you that, but he was um he was a fire jumper and and spent time up there and he you know, every time I talked to him, like when I went there caribou hunting, he just like he'd pull out his map and he's looking you know, he hasn't been there in a long time, but like he's like that was always his dream to live there. It's like for like to basically set set their home there. But uh that never happened, but he, he just talks about how beautiful Alaska was and all the different times. And yeah, it's, I think it's probably challenging for people, you know, right now being like, Oh, it is so far away from everything else. But as everything else becomes extremely overpopulated and, in, in some of like the mountain areas and towns and stuff, I can see how that, that could, could potentially overflow <laughs> into Alaska. Yeah, I won't be surprised and again in the next five or 10 years that we start seeing people moving, you know, from Boise, Bend, Bozeman, like those places mm. that are right now super hot commodities, those folks are going to get sick of it and are going to say, okay, where's my next spot that I can, 
you know, find a place of my own and go roam and play and not feel like I'm battling the crowds to get outside. Yeah. Hey, maybe I need to just beat the crowds and just jump, you know, instead of going somewhere out West, just go straight to Alaska and, and then be a resident there. I can hunt sheep. I can hunt bears. I can hunt moose, all these different things. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've been telling you this for years, but someday you'll listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) You told me a lot of things and I eventually listen. It just takes me a while, Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like sleeping. I've been telling you for six years that you need to get more sleep and it sounds like you're finally doing it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yeah, you, you told me at first, I think it was uh, moving to Alaska and then about going full time with the podcast and I needed to sleep more. Yeah. You, yeah. You've been coaching me along the way and it normally takes me a couple years to like get what you're saying, understand it and then commit to it. But I've done it. It's just, yeah, it just takes a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. I'm so freaking stubborn. It takes me a long ass time for things to settle in. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's been going on up at Heather's Choice? I mean, just recently before my bear hunt, uh, Heather's Choice went through like basically a full rebrand, if that's the the right way to, to um, I, I guess, explain it. it. You know, brand new packaging, some new meal options, all those things. Sounds like you're growing. It's really exciting. Again, from, uh, you know, from the beginning, seeing Heather's Choice in, was it 2015 or what? 2014 is when I started. It'll be eight years next month. I'm like, Oh God, I'm old. (laughs) I didn't say it. You did. (laughs) I know 34. I'm like, Oh my gosh. It is crazy. Even just to think of that. Like when I started Heather's choice, I was 26. I was like, I don't have, I have no idea what I was thinking. I was just like, Oh, neat here. I'm going to get a Shopify website and turn it on and see what happens. And now here we are eight years later. (laughs) Isn't that crazy though? But like, I I think about it, uh, you know, if you look back at probably all the challenges that you came, you know, to this point and you look back at it and you're like, all right, if I would have known these things now, I probably wouldn't have done it. (laughs) Is that how you feel? (laughs) Yeah. I would have like turned and run the other way. Just been like, no, I can't, but we've done it. That's why you don't get to know how hard it's going to be. Otherwise you would never start. Yep. I, I can, I can relate to that and just, and I think that's why I, I, not to go down a a long tangent here, but like that, I feel like with entrepreneurs, I've noticed that like a lot of the ones that are like good and successful and even like locally, they are people that just, sometimes they just have enough information to go with it and kind of just believe in it and don't, you know, stew on all the little details up front because otherwise you'll just eventually kind of put yourself into a corner and be like, Mm-mm, not doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I relate entrepreneurship to my athletic background a lot where in college, you know, I joined the crew team without knowing anything about crew, right. Just being kind of in this fanciful state of like, Oh, it would be so cool to be in that varsity eight boat and to win a national championship. Like, I had such a clear vision of what I wanted as my outcome. And I didn't know any of the details of like, what is a catch? uh, What's a good erg time? What like, 
how often do I have to train? What do I have to eat? How many times do I have to go to practice? Like there's all these little details that I didn't know. And I actually didn't need to know all those details, right? Like I knew what my end goal was. I had a coach that I really trusted and believed in. And all I had to do was simply just like show up and do the thing each day. So I think that that's a really good approach to building a business is having that clear vision of like where you want to go, where do you want to get to, but not feeling like you need to know every single detail and every single step that you're going to take along the way. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's such a good point. And it, it's the same way, like even for, even for hunting, like, you know, if I it, looking back at like getting into elk hunting and, you know, I was like, Oh, I just, I just want to go hunt elk. I want to shoot an elk. I want to have that experience. I want to bring the meat back home. And that was just my goal. That was my clear goal. And then I kind of figured it out along the way. And it took me four years to do that. And I was like, man, there was a lot. It basically changed like my whole life's path on like figuring these things out. But I'm glad that I kind of just um, kind of skimmed over some of those details up front. And was just like, all right, this is, you know, what my goal is. And, and I'll figure out the, the details along the way. And I've kind of tried to take that application to a lot of different things and, you know, not make stupid decisions. It's not like, you know, I want to start this business that's, you know, not going to be profitable basically, but you, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, it, people will, let those details and not having every piece of the picture stop them from getting started. We know that for sure. And I definitely, thankfully did not know what I was getting myself into. So (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's funny. Um, so how, so with that being said, you know, Heather's choice being around for like nearly eight years now, how, how, how has it been lately? And what, what have some of the changes that, uh, that you've been seeing as, as the company and kind of what direction you had in with it? Yeah. So I think it was January of 2020. I was headed to another Grand Canyon trip and I was sitting on the airplane, just kind of ruminating on like kind of a new icon that I wanted for Heather's choice, right? Like you think of those brands like Nike and Adidas and Apple, and they all just have this like really iconic figure, right? Or this little emblem that you see it and you immediately think of that brand, right? And it just lends itself to having some real brand equity. And it's just, I mean, I keep using the word, but it's iconic, right? And I wanted Heather's Choice to have sort of that almost mascot that if you saw it anywhere, you'd be like, oh, oh, that's Heather's Choice. And so I started sketching in my journal and sort of ruminating on like, okay, maybe like, maybe it's an animal and it'd be cool if it was an Alaskan animal. And like, what are the different Alaskan animals that sort of are emblematic of what Heather's Choice is? And pretty quickly, I settled on the Arctic fox. And it's actually, this is a funny story. So at the 2017-18 Western Honey Expo, that's when I was first introduced to Chris Porter at Go Hunt. And I talked to Chris for probably 30 minutes or so. And he just looked at me and he's like, sounds like you're pretty scrappy. And for whatever reason, that word scrappy has really kind of resonated for me of like, that's sort of who I am as a person. Like I will just always find a way. And 
it would, regardless of how many resources I have, like I will just, I'll just make it happen. Right. And so the scrappiness really kind of tied in with choosing the Arctic Fox as the new Heather's choice icon, right? Like you think of a Fox and you think of something that's kind of sly, they're kind of clever. They're not the biggest animal in the kingdom, but like they will learn to feed, they will feed themselves one way or another, right? And they will just survive. And so this is January of 2020. It took me a year and a half to like really kind of finesse this iconic Heather's Choice Arctic Fox logo. And I ended up working with a graphic designer, Elias Carlson, who works with the Modern Huntsman. And he helped me really bring this Heather's Choice icon to life. And from there, with this sort of like new icon that I wanted to bring into the Heather's Choice world also came a full rebrand. So completely changing the look, sort of changing the feel and really changing the packaging. And I was like, well, if we're going to change the packaging, we might as well change some of the recipes too. So we did a pretty serious business overhaul at the end of 2021. And it pretty well encompassed my life for the, the second and, or no, the third and fourth quarter of 2021. And then we finally launched it in March of 22. And I couldn't be happier with all of the changes that we made. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's really excited to be able, it was really exciting for me to be able to see it and just, and I can imagine the amount of work that goes into a full rebrand, like your logos on everything, you know, all the packaging, all the, everything that's just involved with it. Like it's, and then trying to get people to recognize the new, you know, packaging and logo and everything else. But th- that's, that's cool. What, what were some of the, what were some of the new meals that uh, I got to take some of the new meals on the bear hunt, but I want to kind of explain, have you explain it and, you know, some of the new meals and why, why you came up with some of those recipes. Totally. So in 2020, also, we had done a really fun sort of marketing campaign where we had our staff pick up the phone and call 25 of our top customers. So 10 of us, we covered 250 people that we just literally picked up the phone and cold called them and was like, hey, Bo, like, my name is Mike, and I'm a production assistant here at Heather's Choice. Like, happy holidays. I wanted to take a minute and ask you three quick questions. Your favorite Heather's Choice product and why, your least favorite Heather's Choice product and why, and then also what do you want to see from us in the new year? And consistently throughout that, there were products that people, you know, that were their favorites, smoked sockeye salmon chowder being one of them, blueberry cinnamon breakfast, blueberry almond packaroons, grass-fed bison chili, like those ones always were at the top of the heap. There were products like the cherry cocoa nib breakfast that people weren't as crazy about or the spice cocoa packaroons that just like weren't a favorite. And then everybody wanted more variety, like bar none, just more variety was like the thing that our customers wanted. So we set out to release a grass fed beef shepherd's pie, which is now quickly becoming our best selling meal. Uh, I selfishly really wanted an Indian curry. So we have a spinach curry with chicken and rice that is really inspired by chicken sog, which if you've never had chicken sog, it is unbelievably good. (laughs) Uh, And we released a whole line of oatmeals and people have been going freaking bonkers for those. 
And then we also released a new vegetarian dish, which is a lentil vegetable soup that I would argue is the best vegetarian, vegan friendly backpacking meal on the market. It's so perfect. And the best part about all of this is I did not develop these recipes. One of my team members did, which is just like, hallelujah. Yeah. (laughs) This is the benefit of having a team is you can like hand projects to people and they can do them even better than you could have. And our team member, Brittany did all of the recipe development and she freaking knocked it out of the park with everything, which is really cool. Oh man, that is, that is awesome. And I, that, so the vegetable uh, <clears throat> lentil soup, I really like that one, even though it doesn't have any meat in it. Like it is, it is very good in filling at the, at the same time. So I've, I mean, for anyone that's listening to this for a while, my podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about it, but you know, for me, I am, I have, well, I had Lyme disease about 10 years ago and then ended up turning into me and ha- me having some allergies to both gluten and dairy and Heather's choice. That was what initially kind of like got me on the train before I knew you, before I tried it. It was like, oh, they have options that I can eat, you know, and that, and, you know, with a lot of these meals being able to, to be that way and be able to have, you know, me be able to eat it and feel good after having it was just like, yeah, this is awesome. So you said, was it Brittany that developed the recipes? Is that what her name is? So did, yep. how does, does she have like a background in doing this or how did you trust her to take your baby and like do these meals? Yeah. So we hired Brittany as a production assistant, which is where, you know, basically everybody starts when they come into Heather's Choice. And Brittany was like, oh, you know, I went to culinary school and I was like, you did tell me more. (laughs) And it just turns out like, you know, she went to culinary school, thought that she was going to, you know, kind of work in the restaurant world. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. 
Uh, All right, we're we're back again, uh, Heather. I'm sorry, my my free Zoom subscription uh, apparently ran out, and they have now decided that I cannot do video podcasts over 40 minutes on here. So, uh, <laughs> so I apologize for that, but they got me. I threw my credit card in, and uh, I should be good to go from here on out. See, these are all the details of entrepreneurship that, you know, you wouldn't expect. It's like, dang it, I'm not profitable today <laughs> no. to give my credit card to Zoom. <laughs> I know. I was just like, and, and they get you with those deals too, you know, that they got me with, you know, oh, we're going to give you half off this first year. And then when I see it hit my, my credit card next year, because I forget about it, it'll be like, wow, all right. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and the in the convenience factor of like I know if I like did some research and looked around, like I could find a ways around it and probably do it free. But I was just like, you know what, screw it, just get it done. The amount of time I spend trying to save a dollar, I could have made ten. You know, sometimes yeah. I'm I'm learning that as a as another thing in in entrepreneurship. So proud of you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, you were you were just kind of finishing up there uh, talking about Brittany and how she had the culinary background and everything else to be able to develop some of these meals. And you kind of left, you know, you took a little bit of that, that piece of you that you've been holding on with those meals and the recipes and everything and were able to give that, you know, to to her and uh, let her kind of run with that a little bit. And, you know, as you, I know one of your goals with, with your business is to be able to kind of have it operate on its own as much as you, as much as you love it, you know, you also want some of your time back too. Yeah. It's anytime that there are things in the business that are happening independent of me, it's it just, it's music to my ears because when you're running know the size of business like you physically can't do it all yourself right like I can't be the person mixing the pack rooms packing the pack rooms labeling the pack rooms moving them to the warehouse filling the orders you know generating new sales marketing the pack rooms ordering the ingredients for them like there's too much so I think that that is a huge part of my evolution as an entrepreneur right now is identifying all of the places that I end up becoming the bottleneck in my business where, you know, especially in the world of marketing right now, like that is a place where I have to spend so much of my time on the financial side of the business and really working on the vision and kind of really stepping into the role of CEO. Like I honestly don't have the bandwidth or like the time in my day to generate really great marketing content. And so that's the next piece that I really have to kind of let go of and take my hands off the wheel and let somebody else manage that side of the business. And so similarly with recipe development, like I can make a bomb ass meal. I'm confident about that. If you come over to my house for dinner, like I will get you fed and like, you'll be happy and satisfied when it comes to scaling up 40 gallons of marinara sauce and deciding how much salt you put in 40 gallons, like that is not my area of expertise. Like, believe it or not, when you scale up recipes, it is not one-to-one. It's not like for a gallon, you use a teaspoon of salt for 40 gallons, you use 40 teaspoons. Like it doesn't work like that. And so bringing in somebody else who really has the desire and the time and the ability to sort of 
finesse all of those recipes and get them up to scale, it it's again, music to my ears. And I'm so grateful to have team members like that, that are willing to, to take on those special projects and really own them. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, it's, it's exciting to, to see it growing again and, and just seeing the, the company growing, the, the meals growing. I mean, they've been, Heather's Choice meals have been in my pack since my first trip in 2016, and, and I don't see that change. And they've, uh, they've always had, had a spot in there and been good for me and my, and my crew as we've been, been hunting. And it's been great to see it getting more popular across the, the board and seeing others, you know, sharing camps with people and seeing them, you know, pull out Heather's Choice meals and everything. It's pretty exciting to, to be able to fun. do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we should have a dairy-free oatmeal for you in the new year. So. Yeah. Ooh, we're you, still you, thinking of you are you okay all right is it like is yeah. it the east meets west edition like is that the, what it is it should be i can't believe <laughs> that you and i haven't done that yet like why <laughs> all right I have a dehydrator i have a kitchen all i need you to do is come up and put your stamp of endorsement on something yep. <laughs> don't ask me for any like okay this is what i need there. no it's, it's just gonna be one of your meals that has like my endorsement on it yeah We'll go Perfect. With that. <laughs> It'll just have a big mustache on the front of it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good marketing ploy or not. Maybe for people that that know of me, but outside people might get creeped out. <laughs> it, it's big, it's still a huge joke within Heather's choice of like I don't know how many team members we have that have these pretty aggressive mustaches and they all look like deputies and they keep giving Brad a hard time like Brad what are you gonna grow out your mustache and Brad's like well if you give me the rest of the year I might be able to get it done (laughs) (laughs) well well, hey I I, there is a trend with mustaches right now but I I was I was doing it before it was cool so I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on that one you have evidence to support that for sure (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I haven't haven't shaved this since I started the podcast so <laughs> I mean, I trimmed it, but I haven't, you know, you know, I haven't, uh, haven't went clean shaven with it. Yeah, it's very on brand for you. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no choice at this point until when East meets West goes down. I'll shave it off. I'll kind of, you know, hide and and you know start a new life. But uh, until then, this is kind of who I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I dig it. But anyways, let's change let's change gears a little bit here, Heather. So, you know, as we're recording this in, you know, middle to late July, you know, we're getting pretty close to to hunting season and I want to just kind of talk about, you know, what what people should be thinking about, you know, as their nutrition for going on hunts and adventures, but then it just kind of overall because you know, from talking to you, you know, in the past and everything, it's it's more of a lifestyle than, you know, preparing for one event, but kind of wanted to to talk about some, you know, major maybe let's start off with maybe some major misconceptions you know with with food and how your body reacts to it and then and then kind of diving into a little bit more of the details of it yeah i i'm so glad that we get to cover this topic because i feel like i've been in the world of nutrition for so freaking long it's probably been a solid 12 years now since i've been kind of a practicing nutritionist and Gosh, I I take it for granted. Like I assume that people know that the quality of fats that they eat have a direct impact on their health and wellness. I assume that people know that they 
need to get a certain amount of protein in order to sustain their lean muscle mass. And I assume that people know that carbohydrates aren't all bad for you. And that like, there's a lot to be said for getting adequate carbohydrates to fuel activity. But again, that's all an assumption on my part. And it seems like people still, the general public still needs a lot of help and support and guidance around what it means to eat healthy and what that can do for you. And so I personally just continue to kind of come back to the same things over and over again, as I'm reflecting on my own nutrition plan, or I'm reflecting on the development of the Heather's choice menu. Like what are kind of our core tenets of healthy nutrition? And the first thing I'll say is that nutrition is wholly individualized, right? Like there's as many diets as there is people on the planet. So that we're not trying to create these like blanket statements of like, here's the perfect diet and this is what everybody should do. And I will say that there are just some kind of, there's pieces that you can just hang your hat on, right? You can kind of come back to them over and over and over again and say like, this still remains true. And again, if we were to go through the three that I mentioned, the quality of fats that you eat, like I, again, it it can't be stressed enough that eating poor quality fats, things like canola oil, soybean oil, grapeseed oil, uh, like any of the refined vegetable oils, like if you are eating really pro-inflammatory fats, it's going to have a direct impact on your health at the cellular level. And I really feel like for the mountain hunter, this is something that should not be overlooked, right? Because you're training your ass off all year, getting up early, going to the gym, or in your case, like going to the gym in the middle of the day and putting in dedicated hours to actually break down your muscle fibers and telling your body, Hey, we need to break everything down so that we can build it back stronger because we're going to go into the mountains and push ourselves to our limits. If you aren't giving your body the building blocks that it needs to actually recover from those workouts, like you're actually just putting more stress on your system and making yourself less healthy by going and doing those workouts and then not giving your body the nutrition it needs to recover. Or if you're going and exercising super hard and putting in a bunch of work and then pouring a bunch of like really pro-inflammatory foods on top of it, your body is having to work doubly hard in order to recover from those workouts and actually get stronger. And so it's, it's just (laughs) clearly, I care about this way too much. It doesn't make any damn sense to put in all of that effort and to not also care about what you're eating on a daily basis, if that makes sense. No, no, it definitely does. And, you know, the, the seed oil, you know, comment, but, you know, heard about that a lot. And does that, um, so you, you'd mentioned some of those things and this is for me not understanding this portion. So it might sound like a dumb question, but is olive oil that that's still in that group of, the, of oils where it's like kind of bad fats? Uh, thankfully, no. So the, the bad fats are really the ones that you really want to be careful of are really those industrial seed oils that are really high in omega sixes, whereas olive oil actually comes from the fruit of an olive and is you know pressed from that. Whereas if we look at something like 
soybean oil, you know, it's a highly refined, highly pro-inflammatory fat that is just, again, it's rampant. You see it everywhere. Like if you were to look at the Heather's Choice menu as an example, you would see extra virgin olive oil in the ingredient list. That shit is so freaking expensive that from a profit standpoint, it would make a hell of a lot more sense for us just to sub in canola oil, right? Because it's way cheaper. It's way easier to get. It's like widely available. And again, from my nutrition standpoint, I'm like, that would be defeating the purpose of what we're trying to do here. Like, and so the, thankfully the good oils that you can use again and again are things like olive oil, coconut oil, grass-fed butter, lard, animal fats. Like it always takes people by surprise that things like, you know, grass-fed lard or bear fat or whatever, like those highly saturated fats, it, it surprises people that those are the fats that we really want in our diet. But if we think about it and we think about it from the standpoint of like pro-inflammatory versus anti-inflammatory, those really saturated fats that are solid at room temperature, like coconut oil, like lard, like butter, those ones are less prone to oxidation and less prone to rancidity. So when you're cooking with them or ingesting them, you have less of a chance of like ending up with a bunch of rancid oxidized fats in your system that are just wreaking havoc on your cellular health. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and, and I guess, I guess I, I don't know if it was you that had told me that in the past or anything about olive oil and coconut oil, which is like I take the extra packets with me. Like I'll put the coconut oil in the buckwheat breakfast in the morning and I'll put the olive oil in uh, in the dinners, you know, at the at the end of the day just to add additional calories and fats and stuff to that. Um, you know, my, my big my big problem is I have a very guilty uh, snacking problem with regular potato chips like i don't snack on just about anything else but i have a serious problem with that and uh and i know it doesn't make me feel good i know all those things it's just i have that's my that's my weak area like i feel like i'm i'm decently dialed across the board on everything else but when it comes to that it's like it's a problem and like when i go hunting like I, i obviously don't carry chips in with me uh when i'm backpacking but i did find a way to do that someone told me and i, I sh- shouldn't he shouldn't have told me that but other you know that's like the first thing i want when i come back to the truck you know <laughs> so, totally it's so and bad. i will just <laughs> encourage you to like go to the organic food section and get the ones that are made with avocado oil and then you can eat potato chips to your heart's content Ooh. but just something with a better quality oil please. <laughs> okay. All right, Heather. I'll, I'll, again, this might take a year or so to listen to you like I normally do, but yeah, that, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. So what are some other, what are some other good fats that are, that, that people could consume? Yeah. If you don't eat fish on the regular, you know, if you don't live in Alaska and have a freaking freezer full of it, like we do and eat fish two or three times a week, just supplementing with some sort of fish oil is, and again, like you want to make sure that it's a good quality. Like I typically buy fish oil that is in a bottle. It's in a dark bottle. It lives in the fridge. You know, it's not going to sit there for eternity. You're going to eat it and then get a new one, but some sort of fish oil would be a really good one for everybody to have in their diet. As far as I'm concerned, uh, whole eggs, 
you know, the better quality eggs you can get, the better quality of fats and the more nutritional value you'll get from those eggs. You know, the choline that you get from the whole egg yolk is really critical for overall health. Uh, I've mentioned grass-fed dairy. Now, I know that's not really in your camp, but even something like ghee for you might be kind of interesting to play around with and see because it has all of the milk proteins removed and you're just getting that really rich, delicious golden fat. I would be curious to see if your body tolerates ghee at all. I'm yeah, I just wrote that down in my notes here. I'm going to I'm going to try that out. Yeah, you're going to freaking dig it. And then uh, we mentioned olive oil, coconut oil, you know, raw nuts. Like this is not something if you are somebody that's like, Heather, I eat healthy 99% of the time and I'm going on a backcountry trip and I'm going to have roasted salted almonds, like not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. But if you're somebody who's at home and you're actively trying to follow a more anti-inflammatory diet, trying to maybe shed some weight, maybe trying to decrease the aches and pains that you feel, all of those things, then buying raw almonds or raw cashews or walnuts, whatever would be a better choice than roasted and salted. I could go down the rabbit hole of like, you know, uh, sort of satiety and like appetite regulation and all of that, but we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. Um, also again, just those really good quality animal fats, you know, we don't think about it too often, but the fat that is on, let's say a really nice steak is also really similar to the fat that you have on your own body, right? Like your body can metabolize that fat really similarly. So people have really been pushed to stay away from the fat that is in animal proteins. And it's actually really unfounded in terms of like heart health, cholesterol, all of that. So for you guys as hunters, being able to render some of that bear fat, or if you like the fat that you get off of your deer or elk or moose or whatever the case may be, that's going to be some of the healthiest fat that you're going to get on the planet. Interesting. And I've, I've always, I've always eaten, uh, the fat on steaks. Like I just, that's, I don't know. I just always liked it, <laughs> liked it and kind of always looked at kind of weird for, for eating that. But, um, I was, I was kind of upset. My bear this year didn't have a ton of fat being a spring bear. Um, I got some off of it, but not, not very much, you know, because he you know, just coming out of hibernation and everything. He, he, I was like so excited for that portion and didn't, you know, didn't, uh, think of it from the standpoint being in the spring, they wouldn't have nearly as much as they do in the fall time. Totally. I, I have my heart set on a big fat roly poly blueberry bear. I want to see like <laughs> the blue fat. Like that would be so rad. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely would. I, I remember I had, I had bear meat when I was up in Alaska with, was it you or Brad that shot a bear? And then I had some bear breakfast sausage or something that, uh, yeah. that you made. It was, it was really good. And, um, and you know, and I hadn't had much bear, you know, prior to that, you know, just, just never, I've never killed one personally, so I hadn't had it. And, and, uh, now that I've, that I shot a bear, like, man, I, I love it. Like I'm almost out of ground meat already from, and right. I, it was just, you know, two months ago that I shot it. But, um, anyways, back, back to talking about the, the fats and, and everything there. What about, um, so in, I, I just think it's, it's one of those things that, 
that people don't think about as much. You know, we, we worry about, you know, you know, now getting in shape and everything for hunting is, is more popular and that's, that's super important, but like the fuel that you're putting in there. And I, I learned that from, well, with my body being a little bit more reactive to different foods, I understand that and, you know, paid attention to it, but being able to recover when you have the the right foods and like I have a whole, like as I have a gear list for anything else, I have a food list and I have it all kind of broken down and, and I've kind of fine tuned that over the years of what I need to, to be able to feel good after hiking 10 or 12 miles during a day to so your muscles aren't, you know, completely sore the next day. And, and I'm, you know, I'm assuming that's, you know, kind of the, the combination of the, the fats and the proteins and, and some of the carbohydrates give you some of that energy there. Is that, is that, accurate well i'm shooting a new bow this year and i am pumped after playing around with the buddies hoy rx8 the smile on my face made the decision for me the first thing i noticed with the new hoys were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like i prefer i outfitted my own rx8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow my favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Yeah, I think that it's just important for people to think about nutrition as those legitimate building blocks, right? So if you go and you hike, let's say you put in a 12 mile day, let's say you burn, I don't know, well, 150, probably closer to like 200 calories for each mile, right? Assuming you've got to carry a heavy pack and you're going uphill. So you might burn through 2000 so calories in that, you know, 12 mile March. In addition to that, you're burning, you know, just the regular calories that your body needs to operate on the daily. So your basal metabolic rate is probably 1600. So 1600 plus 2000, you're at 3,600 calories. Like that's a shit ton of food for you to eat day in and day out. And I think that that's where people get kind of into trouble is that they're expending so much on these mountain trips, but the quality and the quantity of food that they're bringing is subpar, right? Like maybe they're only eating 2,500 calories, but burning 3,600, the quality of those 2,500 calories is likely mostly carbohydrates, a smattering of protein, and then a bunch of poor quality fats, assuming that they're eating like 
gas station fare, right? Yeah. And then by day four and five, they're wondering why they feel like absolute death. And it's because they haven't been giving their body the protein that it needs to rebuild and recover the fats that it needs to maintain good hormone levels and good energy levels. And they're not replenishing their muscles with complex carbohydrates or just not even complex, but just like enough carbohydrates to refuel the tank and actually get their glycogen levels topped up again so that they can go and do it again the next day. And I just feel like it's obviously I I'm biased because I have a food company and like, I'm trying to sell backpacking food, <laughs> but like, it's so infuriating that people will spend tens of thousands of dollars on gear and then show up for these trips, unhealthy, out of shape and with a bunch of poor quality food in tow and wonder why, like they don't feel awesome when they get out there and they can't cover the miles and they can't carry their pack and they're achy and they're tired and they don't sleep well. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, all of this stuff starts at home. It starts like months prior to you going on these trips. And it's all about how you take care of yourself on a daily basis with fueling and learning what your body does and doesn't tolerate. And clearly I'm just on my soapbox, just yammering, but I care about this stuff so freaking much, but partially also because I'm in a relationship with Brad, who's like a tall, slender, six foot two, 160 pound, like born with a six pack person, somebody who like doesn't have to worry about gaining weight ever a day in his life. And even for somebody like him, the quality of food and the consistency that he like eats on a daily basis will dramatically impact his attitude, right? Like Brad, who's had breakfast versus Brad, who has not had breakfast are two different people, right? So like, this is not limited to you having a successful hunt. This is like you every single day showing up in your life, either as the best version of you or kind of a subpar version of you, depending on how you're fueling yourself. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. And, and I notice it myself, like when I'm traveling and if I don't get the best food in my body or, or, you know, I'm just grabbing quick stuff for here or there, like it's, I, I feel tired all the time. Like I'm just kind of, uh, a little bit crabbier, you know, just kind of just not in a good mood. And, and I don't know, I just really have paid a lot of attention to that because it, it has and like in, in with, with working and being able to, you know, keep your mind on task and, and being able, and then with hunts, like all of those things, like for me personally, I made that decision years ago that I need to, I need to really focus on these things and, and make sure that it's, and, and just paying attention, like you said, everybody's body is going to be different. Like, you know, exactly how you're going to feel based off certain foods is not the same that I'm going to feel, but there's those, those, you know, those, uh, uh, how do I want to put it? Those kind of like base like uh foundations that that you can kind of follow along with and 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 move from there but just paying attention to your body is so uh important you know if you have when you go on these hunts and you and you're feeling like shit all the time you know think about it for once you know yeah it's it maybe maybe you do need to be in in better shape but at the same time a lot of that can be coming from your food and i i really learned it when i started doing longer hunts like over seven days it was like 
that was when it became extremely important to, to make sure. And like for me, I, I need to have close to 4,000 calories a day when I'm on these backpack hunts to feel to feel good. Anything less than that, I was I remember the one time I was doing like 22 to 2,400 that was in my my kit and I got sick at the end of it. I was just run down. I lost like 15 pounds. So it was just, it was terrible. And, uh, yeah. and, and there's, there's so many other stressors on your body at that time. You, you need to, to be able to have that fuel that helps you with those, you know, d- doesn't make that an additional stressor, I guess too. Totally. And that's where, again, I feel like if people don't have a good grasp of what their body needs on the daily basis at home, like, I'm like, as an example, I probably, not probably, I know I eat 2,200 calories a day, just in my normal everyday life. So if that ends up being the amount I take with me on a multi-day backpack hunt, like I'm going to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, if we did that quick math, you're probably burning in excess, like another 1200 to 2000 calories a day. And that surplus is going to add up really damn quick. Yeah, no, definitely. So what are your thoughts on, you know, you were talking about eggs being like a very, uh, a good thing to eat. And I, I'm a big proponent of eggs. I breakfast is my favorite meal and, uh, I eat a lot of eggs, but what about bacon? What What's your thought on that? Yeah. So as somebody who's eaten a lot of bacon, I'm like pro bacon all day. I think that my other piece though, is just quality, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, if, and it's not, I won't say it's easy to go find like heritage, pasture raised, high quality bacon. Like that's just, it takes a bit more effort and it's not something you're going to find likely for us here in Alaska. If I go shop at a local Fred Meyer, like I'm not going to find it there. So if you are somebody who eats bacon on the regular, it pays dividends to care about the sourcing of it and to maybe look at something like a butcher box or to shop at a whole foods or to find a local rancher, just, it would be worth the effort because a lot of the calories coming from bacon are from fat and the quality of the fat is going to be contingent on like the health of that animal that you're eating. So even somebody like force of nature meats would be another one to look into. So I think where you guys are in the lower 48 and the access that you have to kind of like mail order foods, bacon would be one that I would put on my list of like, I order it from such and such a brand and get it delivered monthly. Yeah, that's, I think that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm a big baking guy, but I do also live in the middle of nowhere. So like, I don't have a lot of options from a grocery store standpoint and those types of things. And, I, and I've thought about that for the amount of bacon that I do consume, which is, is alarming probably, but, uh, it, <laughs> of improving the quality of that. And that was one of the questions that I wanted to, to ask you on here with that. But what, what is your thoughts with like, so we were talking before we started recording here, but like with fasting and like in, intermittent fasting, you know, that's something in the last few years, I feel like has become more popular. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I am so glad you asked this question because it kind of brings me back to that whole statement of men and women are, are different. Like everybody's body is different and what's not a one size fits all. So if, if Bo figures out that intermittent fasting works well for him, that doesn't make it true for, for me as a 34 year old woman. 
So I think intermittent fasting is really fantastic for people who are like metabolically healthy overall. Right. So like I would consider you in that camp of somebody that's probably within the range of like a healthy body weight, getting a good amount of sleep, getting some exercise, like intermittent fasting is an additional stressor on the system. And so that's where, if you have somebody that is doing crazy shift work, has a poor quality diet is under a lot of stress is doing a lot of high intensity exercise on top of it. And then you throw intermittent fasting into the mix. It's just like, blah, your central nervous system just like can't handle it all. Right. Whereas if you take somebody like yourself, who's now newly self-employed, you can set your own schedule. You can go to the gym and probably spend your time there leisurely. You can get enough good sleep. You eat good quality food. The stress of intermittent fasting on your system is probably a positive stress rather than so much stress that it's just going to break the camel's back, if that makes sense. So for men specifically, I do think intermittent fasting can be a really powerful tool. I think where people really screw it up is they won't eat, won't eat, won't eat. But then when they do eat, it's like they go hard and they eat way too much. And like digestively, they're just like, Oh my God, what did I just do? And so the amount of stress that you're putting on your digestive system by trying to eat an entire day's worth of calories in a six to four hour window, I think is something that you have to be careful of. And I will also see people who again, don't have any grasp on the type of calories they're eating or how many they're eating during that feeding window. And again, if I eat 2,200 calories a day as maintenance calories, and I start intermittent fasting, but now during my feeding window, I'm eating 2,600 calories a day, 400 calories. It's going to take me like 10 days to gain a pound of fat. So like every 10 days, I'm going to gain weight, even though I'm only eating four hours a day, but I'm eating in a caloric surplus. And like that shit still adds up over time. And so I think that's where intermittent fasting can become a little bit slippery for people is you assume that you're eating less calories because you're eating it in a shorter window of time. But if we actually tracked what you were eating, we might find out like, Nope, you're actually eating more than you would have had you spaced them out in like a regular cadence throughout the day. And it's not getting you the desired result that you want. So all where I should have started this freaking rant was, Bo, what is your goal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, no, that, that makes sense. Like for me, so I, I had kind of played around with it. And I don't know if like I'm even doing it correctly but it was more so of like i had always done like my workouts fast you know somewhat fasted you know basically i didn't eat before because i was doing it early in the morning i don't know if it's even really considered fasting at that point but i was doing it you know before i would eat but now with with being self-employed like i'll get up and i'll do work for the first two or three hours and then i'll go to the gym and then i'll come back and you know then make my breakfast at like you know, 10 30 or 11 in the morning. And I kind of have like an eight hour window where, you know, that I've been eating at first. It was like, it's kind of difficult because I was so used to eating it. Like, 
you know, six in the morning, basically having my bacon and eggs and, uh, and now like, you know, kind of pushing that back. But what I've, what I've learned, and there's, there's a couple of things that could be, you know, involved in this, but I've learned that my energy levels seem to be better. Um, I, I also have learned, I, I started doing this originally because I'd go on hunt and not want to make breakfast as soon as I got up. Cause it would be so early and I would just take my meal with me and my stove. And then once I got to a glassing spot or whatever, I would do that, but it required me to, to be able to need energy first thing in the morning to be able to go. But I didn't want to just, you know, you know, take in 600 calories right off the bat and then try to go hike. I wanted to be able to do that without eating at first. And, and that was kind of, you know, trying to get myself to burn those fats basically that that's in my body already to do so. Um, so my goal is, you know, to be able to do that and also have, you know, better sustained energy levels. But in addition to that, I have, you know, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I've been getting more sleep and that's, something that you've told me for years that my four to four and a half to five hours of sleep a night wasn't enough. And I've really put a lot of effort into that now and, uh, been getting around seven hours of sleep a night, which is like, boom for me, that feels so good. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've, uh, been changing things up a little bit and in my, I guess, overall health. I think it's awesome. And that, what you're trying to do is sort of train your metabolism, right. To be able to access fat for fuel. Yeah. And that's where something like intermittent fasting is really useful. I think one way that you can kind of, uh, bolster that a little bit that I'd be curious for you to try is putting something like coconut oil in your coffee in the morning and sort of like kickstarting that fat metabolism a little bit. And it would just be something to play around with and see, like if I start supplementing with MCT oil or coconut oil in my coffee, do I notice any sort of increased benefit? And the other piece I wanted to comment on is when you eat food, like a 600 calorie breakfast, ideally your body needs to go into sort of a rest and digest phase, right? The blood is shunted from your extremities to your core so that your body can actually digest and assimilate all the food you've just eaten. So it makes a lot of sense that you would actually have potentially more cognitive function and a little bit better energy in those morning hours without eating first, right? Because like, you're just sort of mentally sharp and like, you can just sort of get to action to doing whatever it is you need to do, like hiking or getting to work. Whereas once you eat a meal, ideally there's, there's a period of rest after that, where you're letting your body actually, again, digest and assimilate the food you've just eaten. So I just kind of wanted to confirm the strategy that you have of like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get to work on something and then I'm going to move. And then when I actually have the time to eat a meal and to let my body actually process that that's when I'm going to sit down and eat my first meal of the day. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. And, and one of the other things that, and it was from listening to a podcast, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Andrew Huberman. Have you seen any of his Mm -mm. stuff? I think he was on Jocko's podcast or something. And he was talking about too, like he's big on different sleep aspects and everything. And he was talking about when you get up in the mornings, like the best thing to do is get 
bright light or sunlight is more the you know the best thing in the first like 30 minutes of when you're up to train your body that you're awake and not make you drowsy throughout the day if you kind of like just stay in a dark room or you're not getting any light you know basically and then you know wait at least 30 minutes before you start taking caffeine um and that's kind of been one of the things so like what i'll do is like at least this time of year where it's, you know, light at six o'clock in the morning, I'll go outside and I'll shoot my bow for a little bit and try to get some of that, you know, sunlight in and then come in and have, you know, coffee or whatever to, to be able to kind of get me going in the mornings. And that seems to be, has been helping me too as, as something yeah. also. The only other thing I would say, Bo, that is worth looking into for you, if your if your goal was, if your goal from exercising was to gain more lean muscle mass, right. And I'm just like making a blanket assumption that most, most people who are exercising are like trying to put on some more muscle. Uh, it might be worth seeing about supplementing with some amino acids before that workout, especially cause you're going in fasted. Yeah. And what I heard recently, a product that was recommended to me is called Huma pro and I haven't used it yet because I don't work out fasted, but supposedly, you know, just again, if we think about the muscle breakdown of exercise, assuming that you're doing some pretty aggressive weight training, you don't want your body to be going into a catabolic state, you know, in the hours leading up to your workout and then getting further catabolic through that weight training and then potentially not eating until 30, 45 minutes, an hour after the workout. And so you have such an extended amount of time that your body doesn't have access to you know, free floating amino acids. So just going to lob it out there, unsolicited plug Yeah, <laughs> that you might want to consider some sort of BCAA supplementation before that fasted workout, just to potentially increase the amount of muscle mass that you're able to retain or gain from working out fasted. Interesting. Oh, I, I wrote that down as a note as well. Um, in, and one thing I feel like with my, my workouts that has changed and anybody that's listening to the podcast has heard me have Todd on, but Todd Bumgardner, um, do you know Todd Heather? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Todd's, Todd is the one that's training me now. And like, I go through his programs and it's different than what I've done in the past. That's all been very high intensity type, you know, workouts and, and I feel so much better with his, his workouts and, and not built off of just, you know, high intensity kind of killing your body more so of, you know, building that work capacity over time and, you know, building that strength. And, and I feel like that's put less stress on my body versus what I've, you know, had in the past as well. So that's just something else that, that, um, uh, has been a change, I guess, since even the last time we've talked and, and, uh, everything, I feel like it's been, been helping out overall, but it's definitely a process, you know, of figuring out again, how your body reacts to things, food workouts, all those different things and seeing how it was. And, and I don't remember if you and I talked about this at all, like off air, but that last year when I went into my hunt and I, ended up with altitude sickness it altitude sickness was the result of me going into it unhealthy basically is what what it was i you know ended up getting sick and my body was run down i'd lost like 32 pounds something like that and and dude yeah and i i attribute that to stress and lack of sleep 
for the most part, uh, just because I was doing both jobs and staying up late and not, you know, and just putting a lot of additional stress on my body and, and, uh, yeah, and that really, uh, that really kind of put me in a, in a tough spot there. I will put it that way. And, uh, so I've, I've paid attention to that a lot more this year as I was going into it. So. God, what all, what all did you do to recover from that? Because that's a really significant weight swing for you. That's probably 20% of your body weight that you lost. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went from, I was 205 pounds down to 175 or no, 205 pounds down to 172 pounds, so 33 pounds. And my good weight is like 190 pounds. So like I was, you know, that's where, that's actually where I'm at right now. And I've been able to maintain that through this, the entire summer and, you know, even doing some of these workout programs and everything else. That's my goal is to like stay in that 185 to 190 range. And, uh, yeah. So I, afterwards I just, I, that's when I really kickstarted the whole sleep thing, um, trying to recover there and just do what I could to, um, yeah, kind of build myself back up and eating healthy. And then also, uh, it's hard to say not get stressed, but you know what I mean? Like just, you know, folks that know, understanding some things can, can wait and, you know, focusing on the priorities and, and doing that. And that kind of helped, helped me there. I mean, so I, I ended up with, before that hunt, I didn't realize this till afterwards, but I ended up with mono and also a sinus infection going into it from just being so run down. And then those effects, you know, lasted for months after that. So like even during hunting season, I wasn't feeling good. You know, even after I got back from my Western hunt, I still wasn't feeling good. And, and I just kind of slowed down on the workouts and everything and just waited till I recovered. And then, uh, yeah, I feel, feel great now. God, I just feel like that it's a, it's a really good lens to look through of like the body can only handle so much stress, right? So like, if you know, you have a lot of stress from work, then it's, it would behoove you to decrease the exercise stress, the central nervous system stress, the nutritional stress that you're putting on yourself. And I think that that's where people, as you've experienced, you get into trouble when you assume that you can handle stress from all angles. And like, it tends to come in waves, right. Of like, I'm just going to work out harder. I don't have time to eat. Well, I got to get back to work. I don't have time to sleep. And like, poof, it's just the perfect storm of like your body breaking down and not being able to handle it all. And I feel like for the people who listen to your podcast, like, in my opinion, nutritional stress should never be one of the stresses you're putting on your body, yeah. right? Like that is something that you can control and it can be one less thing that your body is having to respond and adapt to all the time. If you get your nutrition dialed in and like stick to some sort of routine that your body responds well to. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And it was a big, big learning, you know, lesson for me from, you know, going through that. And, and, and that's, I've, I've loved working with Todd so much because he like, one of the things that he does is like, when I'll go on, when I go to events, like I go to total archery challenge and I'm running a booth and I'm, you know, working my booth for 14 hours a day. He's like, Hey, we're not going to do your workouts. You know, don't worry about trying to get your workouts in. just walk for 20, 30 minutes, you know, do, you know something to get you moving a little bit, but not, he's like, he, 
don't, you know, don't worry about it. It's better for you to recover. You doing these workouts just to stay on track is really going to be more detrimental than it is helpful for you. And that's been like, cause I, I just get in my own head all the time of like, just hard headed of like, I need to do this. I need to fit this in. I need to make it work. And sometimes that can be, that can be bad, you know? And, and, uh, and same thing at that time, I'd be up at like, you know, midnight finishing an email blast or, or like editing a podcast and you have all these lights and computer screens and all this stuff. And then try to go lay in bed and your mind's just like going everywhere and not turned off. And that's, uh, that's yeah, that I, I think, and you know, that's my example. Anyone that's listening, to this probably has their own example of something that, you know, is adding additional stress or with food or with work or whatever else that, that can be, uh, it can be relatable in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we just have to remember that, you know, we got to take care of ourselves and, we can do that through diet and exercise and going on these backcountry trips and getting outside and all of that. But you know, it's always the dose makes the poison. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And well, Heather, I really, I, I apologize for taking a lot more time than I'd scheduled for you here. I should have assumed that that was going to be the, be the case. Uh, uh, and then <laughs> no, it's always a, good when we get to hang out. <laughs> yeah. And some of the technical difficulties there that, uh, I've been having a few technical difficulties lately on the podcast, but they've all been different. This was the first time that zoom kicked me off, but, uh, nonetheless, it's, uh, it's a learning thing. So thank you for sticking along with me there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have you back in Alaska and get to hang out in real life again soon. Yeah, I know. Definitely. And hopefully maybe at one of these shows or something over the winter, we can link up again. Um, yeah. So now that, uh, again, I'll be able to do some more of that, uh, some of those shows and everything, we'll be able to link up there and hang out in that aspect too. Yeah. Will we see you at Western Honey Expo, you think? I'm thinking I want to make that, that one happen. It's always hard because it hits the great American outdoor show in Pennsylvania, which I'm always working, uh, that, but, uh, I, I want to make time to come out to Western hunt because that's just, that's one that's been on my list for so long and I just haven't, haven't been there yet. So I, I think I'm gonna have to plan that one on the schedule. Perfect. That'll be fun. I'll probably, I don't, I don't know if we'll pack up, you know, all of our stuff and head that direction as like having a full Heather's choice booth. But at the very least, I'd like to show up and hang out with our favorite people and say hello to everybody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Heather, where can, where can people find everything with Heather's choice and anything else that's going on? You know, just any, any plugs that you want to throw here at the end? Yeah. So people can definitely head over to heatherschoice.com and see what all is on the menu. Uh, Like I said, we have a team of 15 people right now that are, you know, buying the ingredients, prepping, cooking, dehydrating, packaging, shipping. Like we do everything kind of within the four walls of Heather's Choice here at our facility in Anchorage. So it's always nice when people order from us because they get it directly from our team. We also have distribution through Go Hunt. They're a really fantastic partner of ours. Uh, Wilderness Athlete has our products. Uh, Black Ovis, Sportsman's Warehouse. Um, who else is on that list? It's a, I mean, it's a pretty easy list of people. Like, I feel like we're most places. And yeah, if you want to go support one of our retailers, you can head over to our website, click on the store locator, and you can find one of the independents that we sell to. 
Uh, we're also on Amazon and we're just kind of trying to be all over the place. And if I would say, if you're listening to this and you want our meals for hunting season, order them early because historically we sell out every summer, even though I, I try my damnedest <laughs> to, to make enough to not sell out. It's just, just part of the reality for us is that there's more demand than we can keep up with during peak season. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's not a terrible problem to have until you're in it, but <laughs> I just want different problems. I've yeah. had this problem for eight years now. I would like a different problem, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and anybody that's listening, uh, if you do want to order directly from the website, East meets West, will get you free shipping, which coming from Alaska, that's a big deal. So, uh, definitely, um, if, if, uh, you're, if the other retailers are out of stock or whatever, and you want to do that route, then, uh, check that out too. Yeah. Awesome, man. I really, really appreciate it. And again, proud of you for getting some sleep, proud of you for going full time. And I'm going to be proud of you when you decide that it's time to move to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for coming on. And, and, uh, I always listen to your advice. It just takes a while. So <laughs> go get those. It was avocado oil potato chips. Hopefully you wrote that down. Oh, I have it. I have it written down. I have you written down. I've got the human pro amino acid. I got it all written down. Don't you worry. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.